HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 24th, 2017. This is the 142nd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top talent executive and producer for an immensely popular daytime TV show, and I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to pitch TV with video content. If you want to be considered for a TV spot, you need to demonstrate your ability on camera and expertise of the topic. Producers want to see what a potential on-camera appearance is going to look and sound like before they commit. If you have past appearances from a similar show format, that's ideal. But if you don't, nowadays you can easily create video content, such as on YouTube or Facebook Live. So if your dream is to be on TV and the next star, pitch with video. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest in the studio. It is Tommy Crudup. He is the Senior Talent Executive and Senior Supervising Producer for The Rachel Ray Show, a daytime talk show starring Rachel Ray that debuted in syndication in September 2006, featuring food, lifestyle, celebrities, and more. The show and Tommy have won multiple awards, including two daytime Emmy Awards for Best Outstanding Talk Show. 
Welcome, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, that was a great tip that you just gave, by the way. I hope you agree. I thought you would. I agree completely. I need I need to see the video for sure. Yeah, well, as a PR person, that's what I've been told. <laughs> it's a very smart tip. Yes, it should be included in every pitch. Okay, good. I like I like to start out with a tip that, that works with my, my guests. For sure. <laughs> so, um, well, it's so great to have you on the show. It's kind Thank of like uh, turning turning the mic a little bit on putting you on. Not on camera, but on, on mic. For sure. As long as we've known each other, we've been pitching back and forth. And so this is a different way of uh, looking at things and talking about our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to start out and find out how my guests got into their career and what your background was. Did you set out to be a producer? I didn't. I actually I moved to New York um, after living in Dallas and running a yogurt shop and not really knowing what I wanted to do. and uh, But I knew I wanted to leave Dallas and come up to New York. And luckily, my brother got into Tisch for graduate school, and I followed him, and the two of us came together. And I worked in advertising for a few years and didn't really like it. I uh, was bartending to make extra money. And uh, it happens that one of the regulars at the bar was a publicist for MGM. And uh, that's how I got in. She eventually hired me as her assistant. Okay. Yeah, so it was a very strange way of getting it, but yeah. I always loved entertainment. We grew up with movies and TV and music, and um, and then you know once Billy graduated college, he got he became a very well known actor. So I lucked out at being in this industry. Yes, for anyone listening who doesn't know, your brother <laughs> is Billy Crudup. Yes, yes. And very yes, I've seen many movies with him. <laughs> we, we we moved here in '91 together and lived together for five years before he broke out. And, um, you know, being in this industry, growing up loving films, being then a film publicist, it was just a perfect fit. And um, I did that for five years. And then uh, one of, uh, I guess I handled a lot of electronic media. And so one of the shows that I worked on was the Rosie O'Donnell show. And so I would cover all of the, all of our mil- films we would put on to the Rosie show because it was so big at that time. Um, and then halfway through the first season of Rosie, they hired me away to be a booker on the show. Oh, okay. So that's how I got into TV. And then how long were you with Rosie? I was there from the so April of the first season. It started in July. Um, I came in on April and then uh, was there until it ended. So I was there for the entirety. Okay. And I saw that you also worked with Tony Danza. I did. Was so, that what came next? So next okay. was uh, Wayne Brady. I moved to L.A. Okay. for a couple of years and worked on Wayne Brady. Um, and then I moved back to New York and, and we had uh, Tony Danza for two years, which was quite the experience. Yeah, well, I well, what's it like to work with these personalities like Rosie and Tony and them? You know what? I've had great experiences with all of them, and um, they've all been very giving. Uh, they're all immensely talented people. And, you know, being a booker, you really have to believe in the talent and the show in order to be out there selling it and to be able to talk to it. And so I've been very fortunate on the shows that I've worked on um, that I've been able to really uh, enjoy the talent, become friends with the talent. I still am friends with all all the people I've worked with in the past um, and have loved, you know, the medium. And uh, all the shows I've worked on have been on at 10 o'clock on WABC in New York, uh, from Rosie to Wayne to that's, Tony to Rachel now. That's it. Yeah. That's your time. <laughs> that's my time period it's uh, yeah I, that's good to know for yes. <laughs> um so how did you how did you get to rachel ray then so i got to rachel after tony danza so uh, rachel took tony's spot okay and then i, I came am. on uh in the second season of the show and um we've never looked back it's been i've been on for 10 years now so we're going to our 12th season in september 
That's amazing. Yeah, it's been a great run. So how how has your role and the show changed in the 10 years? You know, we've grown just like Rachel has. You know, mm-hmm. you know, in, in it, when it started, uh, really people didn't know what the entity was. They didn't know what Rachel was. And so uh, as Rachel, you know, she's gotten to be such a good interviewer now. And uh, people really look to us to come and do that long-form interview because we're not doing a five-minute interview going to break and coming back. We're doing 10 minutes, 12 minutes straight, and people can really tell stories. And Rachel is a fan. And so when we have people on, um, they're really able to let loose and kind of give you stories and ideas, uh, things that you're not going to hear on other shows. So I think the show has matured in such a way that uh, we really know our audience and we really know Rachel. And at the end of the day, we kind of put them together and it, it works out really well. Yeah, no, she's she's really amazing on camera. She really she's amazing off camera as well. Yeah, yeah. no, true. Um, she's, a, she's a dear friend and could not be more generous and uh, is a bit of a savant. I mean, she just really with food. She knows it all and is constantly evolving and growing and learning um, and loves to learn new things about food and then incorporate them into her cooking. Yeah. So how involved is she with in the booking process? Is she? I mean, how does that work? Because also your show is an hour long. Yes. So and you have multiple guests on, on each show. We'll either have one or two celebrities, normally just one celebrity a show. But if if we have if I have good luck and I can get a couple of celebrities, then we'll do two. Um, but ultimately, yes, she's she's big into pop culture. And so she'll come to me and say, hey, I want this person booked. Why isn't this person booked? You know, I want to get this person on. And so, but, you know, day to day, uh, we're working to try to build the show for her. So when she comes and does the show with us, we're ready to go. And then how far out are you, are you booking? And I know you take a break. So we're not taping right now. Okay. Um, but it can be anywhere from three months to a week. It really depends. You know, sometimes uh, you're fortunate. Enough. A lot of times with long lead, like like uh, books and, and albums, you're able to go further out because you know the dates of when it's coming out, and they can build the whole tour around it. Mm-hmm. Um, with television and movies, sometimes it's a little later. They come to you last minute. I'm still getting pitched now, even though we're not taping. Um, but ultimately, uh, we get a lot of repeat. We got a lot of repeat uh, customers who come back to the show because they love Rachel and they love the experience. Um, it's different from the other shows that I've worked on in that we have beautiful green rooms and culinary brings back food for them. And it's a very comfortable place. Um, it's a very safe place. And, um, you know, ultimately to go back to your original question, uh, if we have availability and someone calls on a Tuesday and we're open on a Thursday, I'll try to fit somebody in. We'll try to post tape them if we can. It just depends on whether or not the air dates mit, you know, match um, the other shows they've been doing. So there's a lot involved as far as, you know, the timing of everything. Okay. So it's mixed. It is. So, I mean, I've, I put it on today just to see what was happening. I see Mark Murphy was yes. on, you had Carla <laughs> Hall. And, and I remembered this, 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 they posted this photo of the yeah. two of you boogie boarding. Um, but when was, so when was, when was that taped? Uh, we taped that on, I think it was May. It was actually our last tape day. So it was May the 5th. Okay. I'm sorry. May the 3rd was the last tape day. So we taped it on that day. um, And then that was our last new show that aired today. And then it'll be summer repeats from now on until September. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good to know. So during the break, what what happens? Do you do you just I do, do you a just lot of travel radio. around the world? And... I do a lot of radio shows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you off or are you? Like, I, how I does take that work? my vacation during the summer, so I have a lot of vacation time to take up. Um, but you know, the week two weeks after we finished are the network upfronts. 
So I spend that week with all the networks and meetings and seeing what they're going to put on for the next season. Um, I've already put offers out to people for next year already. Uh, we'll start planning the season now. Um, and I'll try to get some early bookings so that, you know, I know I have an idea of what that first week will look like. Um, and then we're also planning right now our 2000th show. Um, oh, my God. Which we're real excited about. We're going to tape that towards the end of October and air that in November. Um, but, you know, for something as important as that show, we'll start planning that now. And we'll start putting in asks and seeing how people feel. A lot of times this far out, we're not going to get an answer. But you're putting it on people's radar so that they know that we're moving towards this big milestone. And, uh, you know, it'll, it's, a, it's a very exciting time just moving into season 12, knowing that we've come in close to 2,000 episodes of television, which is just, you know, unheard of in this day and age as far as new shows go. It's incredible. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm at 142, and I'm like, how did I get there? But <laughs> Which is an accomplishment as well. <laughs> no, it, it is. But, I mean, 2,000, and to be, yeah, to be a, a successful show on TV going into your 12th season, like, it's it says a lot. It, it does. And, it, you know, it says a lot about Rachel's fans and her fan base mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they're still so supportive and that they believe um, and that they want to come back for the content and they want to come back for Rachel. And, um, you know, we're just we're very, very fortunate. Um, and we just want to keep putting on good television. That's really ultimately what drives us at the show is that we're very proud of our content. We're very proud of what that hour looks like. And so if you haven't watched for a couple of weeks and you tune in, you're going to get something out of it. There's going to be some takeaway there. There's going to be some fun. There's going to be a recipe you don't know. And so that's kind of the fun of what we do on a daily basis is we're still finding out new things. You know, ultimately for us, we, we still want to challenge Rachel and to give her new information that she doesn't know. And so ultimately, that's what we're looking to do on a daily basis. Yeah, you, I, you definitely do it. I, I mean, there's there's just some there's an energy about the show. And I, I believe it, it stems through Rachel. It um, does, without a doubt. Yeah. So, and yeah, today's my idea was how do I get out to the Hamptons and <laughs> have a little fun this summer? But no, no, it was, it's, it was a great show. Uh, so on that note, we're going to take a little break okay. and then we're going to come back and talk more with Tommy. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Welcome 
Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Tommy Crudup. He is the Senior Talent Executive and Senior Supervising Producer for The Rachel Ray Show. So those are really two jobs, right? Um, or do you combine them into one? You combine them into one. Okay. I mean, really, the second one means that I'm a part of the planning stage, and, and I work with the other executives on the show to look towards long term. So how many, how many other executives and producers are part of your team? Well, we have, you know, when we're, when we're taping, including the crew, it's 125 people. Oh, my God. And so um, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's a big production. It takes a lot of people to get through. And so the way that our show is set up is I have my talent department, um, and I have uh, three people that work with me. And then we've got five other um, uh, producing teams that are three people each. And they handle a lot of the human interests, sometimes the cooking, um, and they really get the, the real stories in there that are so important to Rachel and to the show. Okay. So, yeah. It's a big stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a big stuff. But, you know, I always tell people who come and uh, visit and, and are audience members, they really have a different takeaway of television when you see it from behind the scenes. Because it's not just one guy in a camera and a guy with a mic. It's a lot of people and there's a lot of moving parts. And everyone has a job that's very important in order to get that hour of TV on. Yeah, so when you're taping or when when it's in season, are you are you going live? We're not live. Okay. So we tape, we tape three days a week. We tape on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And it's either two or three shows each day. And, so, and sometimes they can air the next day or they can air months from now. And so it really depends. We'll do an evergreen show on a three-show day um, because we didn't, you know, I didn't book a great celebrity or we didn't have some other content. But that show could air down the road when we have a hole and where we're going to plant it, you know, outside of the sweep. Right. So we have okay. great flexibility. Yeah, you know, yeah. when you're doing live shows, uh, both both Rosie um, and uh, and Tony were both live shows. It's a different experience because you're kind of on the, you know, you're, you're kind of flying without it with any strings and like now what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> something could happen <laughs> and you know when you're taping you still have that same excitement but uh, and we don't tend to do this mm-hmm. a lot but if you need to go back and fix something if you need to edit something you have that ability um, live tv it just takes off and it's gone and so um, I'm, I've enjoyed the taping uh, side of it a lot more. Um, it gives us a lot more flexibility with bookings. Mm-hmm. Um, I can post-tape or pre-tape people left and right if I need to. And so that when I'm booking people, that gives me the ability to say, I understand you can't do Tuesday at noon, but what about at 4.30? How about the end of the day at 6? I'll keep Rachel. So right. that gives us yeah. an, no, that makes an sense. inflexibility. Mm-hmm. That means a publicist can stretch out the schedule and, and hopefully fit us in there. Yeah. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> I know, it's good. <laughs> who, who have been some of your favorite guests that you've had on? I have to say, uh, one of my favorites is Hugh Jackman. Uh, um, he is such a lovely man and such an amazing storyteller. And yeah, he really likes Rachel, so he just kind of let it all out and told us some stories that I'm not going to repeat, but they were just fall down laughing, um, crying. And he's just a very friendly person and, and treats everyone exactly the same. Um, Regis is one of my favorite guests, and I've been fortunate enough to become friends with he and Joy. And um, at the end of the day, when he's there, it, it really brings back an old school type of nostalgia. And the stories that he tells backstage and on stage are just so fascinating. And, and what a thrill to be able to call him a friend and be able to have him on the show many times a year. So those are, those are two of my favorites. But, 
we're really fortunate because the people that want to do Rachel want to do Rachel. Mm-hmm. You know, the publicist isn't saying, hey, you're going to go do the show. They're saying, hey, I want to do that show. Whitney Cummings is one of our favorite guests, and she is as funny backstage as she is on the show. And she just really adores Rachel. So that warmth comes through. And it's a different segment than when you're just doing a show because your publicist said you need to do that show. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a different vibe. Yeah. No, I, I, I can... I can see that. And it, and it comes through. It really does come through at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, let me ask you my question, questions. I actually got two from my last guest. Sure. I had on Olivia Young. She's the former brand and communications director for Ultima Rea Group, and she's also the co-founder of Pound for Pound Consulting, and she founded this new studio called Box and Flow, if you're looking to work out, <laughs> boxing and flowing yoga. I it's, probably need that. It's, it's, it's awesome. So first question she said, she asked, what's the weirdest thing that's happened on the show ever? Um, well, there have been many. <laughs> I, there, there's too, too many to tell. Um, but there, there, at, I think at Rosie, there were a few times where when we were live at 10 o'clock where I was at a bodega picking up some beer for a guest who needed a beer at 9 in the morning. Um, that's always a weird thing. Um, you know, the live TV is a little more strange. Right. But you do have situations in the early years of this show. Um, we had a couple of human inter- interest guests who weren't ready to go on, and they kind of panicked. And we had to pull back and say, we'll do it another time. Um, but that kind of throws you into not a panic mode, but into, well, we're going to fix this. Um, I've had guests show up on the wrong day. And literally at the old studio, um, we had a guest show up who was lovely, but he came at the right time, but on the wrong day. That's funny. And so, I, <laughs> so luckily the audience got a bonus, um, but I had to run up to Rachel and be like, I know we're not prepared for this. I mean, we have uh-huh. the research already, um, but are you okay? And she's like, of course, I love him. We'll do it. And it happens. You know, sometimes there's miscommunication or they didn't really listen to the publicist. Um, a couple of weeks back, um, someone was sitting in their hotel because they thought they were doing the two o'clock show. And I had to call them and be like, I, you need to get in the car now. <laughs> We're going to tape you at the end of the show. And so that type of, you know, that kind of keeps you on your feet and makes you want to be more detail-oriented so that it doesn't happen again. But most of the time it's on the other side and it's just a little miscommunication. Yeah, I've been toying with the idea of, of sending calendar alerts to people. <laughs> and my, I just have one weekly show. Like, no, but maybe. Well, I don't I, know. I, Everyone, I, people do it now. I told my friends I was leaving the <laughs> office at 2.15. Like, they're like, why? I'm like, I don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> and I've been wandering the streets for hours. But it, it was worth it to be out here so that I you're, wouldn't be late. You're prepared. Well, you know, you know. Well, thank you. Okay, so her other question was, has your brother Billy ever been on the show? Billy has been on, I think, every show with the exception of Wayne Brady, but maybe Wayne Brady. Um, luckily, and everyone always says to me, gosh, that must have been a tough booking. People don't realize I talk to my brother all the time. We play poker on Tuesday nights. We play golf all summer. But I don't call him and say, hey, I need you to do the show. Mm-hmm. He has a publicist. And so I call his publicist, who I'm very friendly with. But it's the same process. And so, um, But he's done every show. He's, he's a really good guest. Uh, he and Rachel just, uh, he was on last week for Alien um, and uh, Alien Covenant, everyone. And so, um, <laughs> but he's turned out to be, you know, a really fun guest and, and really likes it now. And so usually when he's on, I have to stand by the side and they do a quick shot of me or I have to tell a story or something. So um, it, I always wear a suit that day when, when he's on. <laughs> Except once, I don't know, or maybe more than once, but I caught, I was looking online last night, and I found this Dr. Manhattan oh, no. 
clip. <laughs> I, that was a really sad time. Where you turned into this character and you were blue, Luck- literally. Luckily, no one has to see this because this is radio. <laughs> but I didn't but date you for. About, can Google you, it. You can go online and look at it. It was. Um, it was. It was. I didn't date for about six months after that. Um, but they did. They painted my face blue. It was a surprise to Billy. Um, and there's a great video online of ours. Um, and it was for Watchmen. Um, but Billy's expression with his two co-stars, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Patrick Wilson, they were both loving it and just dying. And he, w- he could not have been... I, I didn't know what he was going to do, but it was, it was a great promotion for the movie. But a, uh, it took me about four showers to get that blue out of my ears. I was going to ask. That was serious paint job. They, they really took their time. The funny thing is that Billy's very punctual. And um, we were running late because they were painting me. And he kept asking for me. And they're like, we can't find him. And he said, I really need to leave because I have a radio show to do this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we're going to get started. We're going to get started. And finally, we, we did the segment. Um, but just the priceless uh, look on their faces and their surprise. And even Rachel was horrified and, and loved it as well. So, yes, they use me as a prop quite a, quite a bit whenever, whenever he's on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's cool that you're behind the scenes, but you do make your camera appearances as I, part of the show. I do. I used to make a few more than I do now, which is fine. But um, but I love I, I love the show, and so anything to help it along mm-hmm. and to and to be a part of it and to uh, bring a little levity and a little comedy. I'm not that I'm that funny, but sometimes they put me in outfits that are funny. Um, I'm I'm team player. I'm happy to do whatever it's going to take. And um, you know, when you were talking about Mark, who was on today, they showed a picture of Mark and I boogie boarding in the Hamptons a couple of years ago, and um, it was not that flattering, but it was funny. <laughs> and so, of course, they wheeled me out there to take a picture of me being embarrassed, and then I ran back and took care of some guests. Yeah, no, but it's that I think that that personalization or I don't know, it it makes the show, you know, it does seeing those clips. You know, we're all friends with Rachel. I just I just came back yesterday from being upstate with Rachel and John for a few days and playing golf and eating and cooking and and just having a great time. And and that really comes through with how Rachel deals with the staff. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some real connections and some real relationships there. And so, you know, hopefully that comes through on the screen at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it does. What what advice would you give to someone who, well, two two parts that wants to do what you do, TV production, and also the person who wants to be Rachel, you know, the <laughs> next food star. Well, and you know, Rachel has always said that from day one. You know, anyone can be the next Rachel. Um, I think that ultimately for this business, uh, as I was telling earlier, I was very lucky with how I got into the business. Mm-hmm. But once I got my foot in the door. Um, and realized that I really loved entertainment like I do, I immersed myself in it. You know, my DVR is always full. I'm always at the movies. I see everything in the theater. I love it. I just absolutely love it. And so for me, it was really kind of a no-brainer just that I, I could do something that I loved. And um, I've bounced around in different mediums, and, um, and I've been very fortunate through the years. Um, but ultimately, I think, you know, we get a lot of great interns that come our way. And my advice to them is to absorb and to uh, see every, observe everything around us and keep in touch with people. I think it's very important to take people to lunch and go have a drink and face-to-face. And, you know, once you get that internship, you have to ask as many questions as possible. And hopefully when your internship is up, you'll get a spot on the show. But you really have to take that uh, that chance and, and, and make the most of it at the end of the day. Um, yeah, as far as being the next Rachel, 
you know, with the internet now and with people doing their own shows, people are being discovered all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you can get on screen and you can put together your own show, um, you, there's lots of shows that, out there that you can try to get on and audition for. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be chopped. That's your audition tape right there is you and you made it through and maybe you didn't win. But that's almost an hour of tape on you in front of the television. You know, and that's a really important thing to be able to shop out to people. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of it is personality, too, and just being different from what's out there. You know, Guy Fieri was completely different from anyone else, and he still is. And that's what makes it so great. So, yeah, you really have to be, you know, something different than what the norm is out there. You know, you're not going to be just like Rachel Ray. It needs to be something a little bit right. different than that. Yeah. But, but but once again, you know, she's she immerses herself in this. I mean, we will be having brunch and she'll start talking about dinner. And I'm like, I'm trying to get through this meal. But she's <laughs> so excited and nothing gives her greater um, happiness than someone eating her food and being satisfied and excited about, you know, what the next meal is going to be. Yeah. So how how big of a foodie are you, if I can use that word? Because the show is. Food. I, it is. Um, I was laughing with my friend Lauren because I was at an event and we were talking about super tasters. And, and after we did a couple of things, yeah. I, I'm a super taster, but not really. But that's what they told me. Um, I love food. I love to cook. I've learned so much from Rachel. I cook at home all the time. Um, but I wouldn't say that my palate is up there with the, with the, uh, with the great ones. But I enjoy a great meal. Um, and and am fortunate enough to be friends with a lot of chefs in the city. I'm actually going to a restaurant opening for Ann Burrell tonight in Brooklyn, oh, uh, nice. which I'm looking forward to. Um, so that's a real treat for me, uh, just having not been brought up in the food scene, mm-hmm. but now loving it so much so that I can walk in and say hello to these friends and spend time with them. And um, I get to cook with Mark Murphy all summer out, at, out in uh, Bridgehampton at his house. And so that's just great fun and you pick up so many tips that you can do at home even if you're just on your own but you know i i love to cook for my mother which i don't do enough um but that's always something fun to do um and once again you're putting a meal that you did yourself in front of someone else to hopefully hopefully it's good (laughs) i'm sure it's good i'm sure you have so many so many things you've learned just by being on set and and all your friends i really have i'm very fortunate yeah so well cool All right, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Pulling your face out deep and I dive in the ocean of love. Washing my heart in you I rise like a mushroom and atom and cloud A burning circle of life No one, no one, no one seems to notice Hey, like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter.
Okay, we are back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Tommy Crudup. It's time for my speed round game. Let me stretch. <laughs> so what this is, is I name a couple things and you pick your preference. Okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Mm. Depends on where I'd be eating out, but eat in. Okay. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Both. (laughs) Um, I'll go with communal table with good friends. I like that. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I like tipping. I'm not into this all-inclusive. I don't get it. But if it's working for people, terrific. But I, I prefer to tip because if it's really good service, I'd like to leave a bigger tip. Yeah, I hear you. A few more. Being in front of the camera or behind? Um, I in, I love being behind the camera, but there was a time when I was in front of it, um, and I love that as equally. Um, I wasn't very good at it, so I'm better behind the camera. Well, the, the only the only thing I found, and I didn't find a clip, but I saw that you were on Sex in the City. Yes, I was on Sex in the City, which <laughs> okay. I, I recently turned 50, and they put it in a video. All my friends at work were nice enough to put this lovely video together for me. Um, and the clip's in there, and it, you could tell it's just very bad acting. But uh, Elizabeth Banks played my fiancé in the segment, and so that, I mean, in the, in the, in the uh-huh. show. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, it must have been. Yeah, she doesn't remember me at all, but when she did this show recently i said oh good to see you and she's like how's your brother i'm like great fantastic (laughs) really good really good okay i'm gonna have to look for that old episode (laughs) okay how about almost famous or jackie i'm gonna go with almost famous uh just because he shot that over a year and he had this great long hair over a year and um I just love that movie, the soundtrack. Uh, I remember seeing it in a DreamWorks screening room and just being so excited and so excited for him. Um, but it's one of those films that's on Netflix now, and anytime you need a little hit, you know, you can just turn it on. And I, I get chills thinking about it just because Tiny Dancer is... Uh, we were coming back one night from... Um, we, we went to the uh, MMA in, in, um, over in Jersey, and we were coming back on a train after the fights, and Billy had his hat on, but he kind of had his head down, but someone recognized him. And the whole car started singing Tiny Dancer. And so he, of course, had to tip his hat. But I was like, dude, that is so cool. Like, we're riding on a train with people who don't know you, but they know you from Almost Famous. So yeah. for me, I, th- I just think that that's, it's such a great movie, and um, I just I, I love it so. The very, very excellent explanation. Yeah, it's a classic. I, I mean, it's, it's it really yeah, is. Yeah. But Jackie was awesome. I, I, I saw Jackie. I, I thought it was a great movie. Um, no, I did too. The soundtrack he, and was, he was really. He was. He had a big role. He, I mean, he you does. Know? But you know, Billy's so uh, he just he kind of downplays it, and he's like, "Yeah, I did a few days in this movie," and then of course when it comes out and it's everything yeah. that it was, I'm like, <laughs> "Billy, <laughs> that was more than a few days," and he looked so different in it. I liked, you know, he mm-hmm. looked older and crusty, and yeah, I really love that film, and she's yeah. she's extraordinary in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, two more: cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate, unless it's key lime pie. <laughs> now I know what to bring you if I'm ever bringing dessert. Okay, uh, Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Awesome. That's the game. Okay, well, that wasn't as tough as I thought it'd be. Yeah, I don't know. Some people, it's in, some people find it tough. Some people find it easy. You, but you were good. I liked it. I liked it. You were fast. You All had right, speed. 
Okay, so industry news. There wasn't anything major I saw in the news this week, but I picked out this article in the New York Times Tea Magazine entitled Food Photography Over the Years. It's by Julia Tertian. It's talking about this upcoming book that is focusing on the history of food photography. It's called Feast for Your Eyes. And um, it's inspired a lovely, lovely walk down memory lane, has inspired a lovely walk down memory lane is what she was saying. So um, it talks about, I don't know, she goes through through different photos. She has a self-portrait with fried eggs um, from 1996. And yes, I saw to, that one. Yeah, up to like gourmet magazine covers. And so I think it's interesting being that where we are now with everyone taking food pictures and the in, how Instagram has just taken off. It um, is, but I, I still think when I get pitched cookbooks at work, yeah, the photography means a lot, and you can really tell where someone did not pay to have a good photographer do it. And you know, ultimately, when you're thumbing through a cookbook, you want to be blown away by the pictures because you want that hope that you could make something look like that. And for me, it's more important. I, I would spend the money to have a great photographer shoot this beautiful food. It's a real science. It's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. I know. I know a handful of food photographers now through through work, and they're they're very talented. But they have a different eye, and they they know they know how to take a great picture of food. And even amazing photographers, sometimes it's it's just the medium of food isn't isn't what they're. They're right. What they're best at. Yes, and and you really have to know the techniques and how to make it mm-hmm. look the way it's supposed to look at the end of the day. Yeah. So this is cool. This book. This book sounds very interesting. I mean, it was going back to like wedding cake with like old school black and white photos with a couple with their wedding cake and how things used to be uh, photographed to what's happening today. So and I'll have to look this one up. Yeah, me too. So check that out. Julia Tertian always always captures good stories and and knows her stuff. And then the other thing I just had a little just announcement how there's this Japanese culinary art competition happening and this is presented by Nihon Ryori Academy, which is a nonprofit organization based in Kyoto, Japan that promotes Japanese cooking. So this is for, for professional chefs. Anyone out there if you want to compete, you should go to their website. It's culinary dash academy.jp and so it's it's a japanese culinary competition and the theme is creating an aroma and there is a prize of 1 million yen for the winner that's going to be flown to japan in march 2018 and that converts about to 10,000 us that's so exciting though it's a good opportunity this is for professional chefs and um, the deadline's June 30th. So anyone who's interested, who's a chef out there, um, you don't have to be a Japanese cooking chef. Uh, and you can participate. So that's it. We're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. And then the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Tell me who 
Hey, welcome back to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Emmer and Rye. Here's the rundown. The location, 51 Rainy Street, Austin, Texas. The concept, seasonally inspired farm-to-table restaurant with a focus on local cuisine, features a daily changing menu of mostly small plates and dim sum style service. The chef and owner, Kevin Fink, who is known for his passion for grains, which he mills for pastas, breads, and desserts, and the restaurant is named after two grains. So why did I go? So I was in town in Austin for the inaugural Hot Luck Festival this past weekend, and I had met Kevin at the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen last year, so I was eager to try his place. My experience. I went as a walk-in. I was seated at the chef's counter where I saw Kevin and was introduced to the kitchen crew, including Julian, who was stationed right in front of me, and I had a chance to chat with him throughout my meal. And I was really well taken care of from Kevin's wife, who was at the door uh, working as a manager and hostess, and to the servers and cooks. My only issue, I would say, is I could have used a little booster seat on my stool because I felt very low. I'm only 5'1", but... um, yeah, the counter was a little high for me. But besides that, it was it was the best seat in the house, as always. So what did I get? So it was hard to decide what to, to order, but I went with the red shrimp with cabbage, scarlet turnip, onion, and garlic. I had the chef's signature Bluebeard Durham Spaghetti Cacha Pepe. And then Kevin sent out Carolina Gold Rice with soft scrambled egg and caviar and grouper with koji butter, cabbage, and broccoli miso. So they also have these dim sum carts that go around and the servers were bringing by amazing looking dishes, but I had enough food, so I really just went with one small bite of steak tartare. My take, I loved everything. Each dish was beautifully presented and I could see the chef's complete attention to detail in everything he does. The pasta was delicious. I could have eaten more, but again, I had a lot of food. The ambiance, modern and comfortable with wheat tones and accents, continuing the theme. Perfect for solo dining or large groups. There were some UT graduation dinners happening that night, so the restaurant was busy. Interesting tidbit, Emmer and Rye was featured in America's Best New Restaurants 2016 by Bon Appetit, and Kevin was one of Food & Wine's magazine's Best New Chefs 2016. That's when I had met him in Aspen. Personal fun fact, I went crazy for two and a half days. I had a lot of solo meals. I was at Conejo, Barley Swine, Odd Duck, Uchi, Olame, Camaro, Junes, and Veracruz El Natro Tacos, which I hit at 7 a.m. on the way to the airport. So, yes, I'm I'm tired. You're <laughs> still stuffed, I would think. <laughs> and stuffed. I'm taking a week off. Um, finally, the cost of my meal was $41, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? You bet. The website is emmerandrye.com. So I know you're from Texas. Yes, that sounds really good, though. We were just in Austin for South by Southwest. Oh, cool. And Rachel throws a great party down there every year. Uh, the food scene down there has exploded. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, so the last time I was in Austin was when I was looking at colleges. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> um, so I was really due for a trip, which is why I decided to go to this festival and why I 
made hopped around a lot. It to sounds amazing. Restaurants. But you were there for two days. I was there Friday till Monday. Okay, that's a little. I, I thought it was two days, but you could you got a lot of food experiences in those yeah, short well, time. I did. I I mean, I one night I, I went to three spots for dinner. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I mean, the people. I think people in the industry can relate. Yes. but. But others are like, are but it, you, get, you definitely get motivated. Full. Yeah, you definitely get full. But you want yeah. to try everything. How was the steak tartare? What was what was, did they have? Was it more mustard based or was it? Um, it was light. No, it wasn't. It wasn't mustard beets. It was served on this on a little on a I don't know like a fried a, a wonton cr- on a cracker okay. of some sort. And it was I took it because it looked delicious and it was also just a bite. Right. Um, but it's cool. This dim sum. Style. I don't see. I haven't seen that much. Sounds the only great. place I know um, Staper Provisions in in San Francisco has been known for doing that sort of brings around carts. And for that purpose, I think it's better if you're with a lot of people because sure. then you can try more things. But um, no, it was great. I had a really really good time. And yes, I'm I'm stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my next guest for the final question, I would like you to ask a question for. Mark Oldman. He is a wine expert who has a new book out called How to Drink Like a Billionaire. Um, I've known Mark for a while, and he is he is truly a wine expert. So, Tommy, what would you like well, to ask they, him? They sent me that book a while ago, and my question is, so on the cover, he's a very good-looking man. He's slicing the top off of a bottle of champagne with a mini sword. And I would love to know how long it took him to master that because I would assume you would break a lot of bottles and not being able to drink out of them. It looks very dangerous. It, uh, it's not this, like, like a sabering? Of, yes. Okay. Yes. And I just would, I'd be really yeah. curious to see how, how long many, it took him to master that. How many takes? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> do you do that on the show? You've probably had people say I do that at home the all the time on Friday nights. I usually just pop a bottle. Okay. Um, we have had it, but it's really not practical. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, it's not practical. Why, why does it have to be practical? You also end up losing a lot of what was in that bottle, which is supposed to go in your belly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really we don't teach that on the show very okay. often. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Well, that's it. That, that flew by. <laughs> it did. It was so much fun to come out here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I've I've known you for a long time. I've been very impressed with your career and everything you do. Well, thank you. And uh, I wish you the best. I'll stay tuned for the, the what did you say, 2000th episode? Yes, 2000th yeah. episode in November. Yeah. So it's awesome. So and I look forward to getting more pictures from you in the in the fall. All right. I, I, I'm I'm thinking already, what am I going to (laughs) pitch? So um, my guest today has been Tommy Crudup. He is the senior talent executive and senior supervising producer for Rachel Ray Show. You can find him on social media at TommyTomTom22. Two two is the the numbers two. Uh, Yeah, because TommyTomTom21 was taken. No, but I say two two. It sounds like like a two two. No, it's the number two two. Yes, yes. <laughs> Twenty two. Exactly. Okay, and also you can follow Rachel Ray at Rachel Ray Show, and their website's rachelrayshow.com. And as as we said earlier, ten a.m. is the time slot. ABC. We're syndicated, but here in the tri-state area, it's on a ten. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm a little New York biased over here. <laughs> me too. <laughs> okay, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. So next week, 
I am doing a wrap-up show on the various festivals I've been at in the past month or so, and that's including Pebble Beach Food and Wine. I have a special guest, Lisa Marchese. She's Creative Marketing Officer at the Venetian and the Palazzo in Las Vegas. So she's going to be calling in for a bit of that show. And then I also have interviews from the James Beard Awards in Chicago and Hot Luck in Austin. So that's next week. And then on Wednesday, June 7th, my guest will be Mark Oldman. So I hope you'll tune in for both of those. And um, thanks again to Tommy. Thank you so much. And thanks to Vitor, my engineer. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thank you for being part of all the industry. Bye. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.